This is Prayer Amid Pandemic, a podcast to encourage and sharpen the church through telling stories of Christians whose faith were shaped by sickness and by praying with fellow believers around the world. I'm Morgan Lee. Philomena Percival has counseled and cared for hundreds of AIDS patients in Guyana for more than 25 years. We had our first case, I think it was back in 85, 87. I think that was the first time I actually heard about someone living with AIDS. After AIDS showed up in the country in the late 1980s, what happened? What was the government's response? We had an open clinic, one not specifically for AIDS patients. It was basically for STI, which HIV fell under. At that point, we had no kinds of medication. Patients basically were just given medication for the opportunistic infections. I think it was in 2000 that we were actually introduced to medication in Guyana. And how did that medication change the situation? Well, we discovered that more persons were living longer. They were getting less sick. Of course, at the beginning of medication, they had trial and error where some persons had reactions. But I think one of the problems at that time was adherence. Personally, I tried to think of adherence on my myself by taking my vitamins. You know, I decided that I'm telling encouraging persons to, to adhere to their medication. I would use my vitamins at a specific time every day to see how well I can adhere. Unfortunately, after three weeks, I missed. And that was reality for some of our AIDS patients. They missed. Having just three sets of uh, medication, it was hard because when you fail one set, you only had another or two others to go on. So it was like difficult at the beginning. But as time went by, persons had started to adhere. So we had improvement of the, the medical situation. How would you characterize the work that you have done with AIDS victims? I prefer not using the word victims because a lot of these persons got infected innocently. The word victim for me was always a no-no over the years. I would say a person living with HIV. For me, it was a very pivotal role because the persons expected me to be there for them. You know, I counsel them. I encourage them to move on from day to day. I try helping them with like food hampers, allowing them to, to, to eat well, teaching them how they should go about to eat the kinds of food they needed to eat. I was there as a support backup when they have to go to the clinic. I would go with them to the clinic, be in the room with the doctors to be there as a support. I have them write a note so when we get in to see the doctor, they can say, you know, on this date, this happened. And that helped the doctors very well in getting care for these patients. I would say that I played a pivotal role in the recovery of many cases. Prior to you getting involved and working with people who had AIDS, how present were sickness and pain in your own life? I had a ectopic pregnancy. Um, I think it was 1994, and basically I went through depression. At that point, I don't think I actually knew anybody besides the first patient that we were told about, but that was later done. I don't think I knew anybody who was actually HIV positive. But because of my depressed state at home, I wanted to do something out of the house. So I was like grabbing at any opportunity to do things out of the house. At that point, we had a doctor who came from the UK who was a dentist by profession. 
he came to do work with Rufin Hararuni, that's a community on the on the highway, on the um, East Bank Highway. And realizing that there was a problem here with HIV, he decided to come back to Guyana to do training for persons in the church who wanted to, to support AIDS patients. So I grabbed that opportunity. And from then I started to grab on every little bit of information that I could read about HIV, whether it was in Guyana or the abroad. I actually acquired a book, Everything You Need to Know About AIDS, which was a book that has over 500 pages. I called it the Bible of HIV because that was a book written by a doctor in the UK, Dr. Patrick Dixon. Dr. Patrick Dixon and Dr. Southwick, who came to do the dentistry here, they worked with Asset UK. I got lots of information and encouragement from them. When do you first remember seeing a connection between helping people who were sick and your own faith? When you visited the hospital ward, it was hell on earth because these patients were very emasticated. They were were just wasting away. Remember I said earlier that they had no medications. They were basically dumped into the ward because families wouldn't come back. Those patients relied on people like me who went into the ward to help with them, to help even bear these kids, sometimes feed them, give them water, you know, some little little things. At that point, I realized that the only reason I could be doing this, it had to be because of God. It had to be he was the one who called me into this ministry, and I was willing to take those risks. Remember, those are the times we didn't have much knowledge on what was going on. We did things out of the pure love of Jesus in your heart. I remember one day I was taking care of a patient. A lady came into the ward. So I saw her standing looking at me. When she was finished, she came to me and she said, girl, what church you just go to? So I said, why did you ask a question like that? She said, it could only be a Christian who come here to do the things that you do. So I realized that people were not only seeing me working in the ward, but they saw Jesus in the ward. I think that boosted me because I felt so much better knowing that people not only saw me as an individual, but knowing that you are a Christian. In what ways did it really challenge your faith to work with people who were sick? People, oh, you, you work with those, you work with those people, you work with those people. How could you do that? You have your family. Aren't you afraid? That Those were the, the challenges for me from the church. But after a while, when people realized that I was like really happy doing what I was doing, they stopped. I didn't have a challenge. I started having support. Were there ever times where you, you know, prayed to God, why is this all happening? Or you felt upset about the the injustice of what you were seeing? I prayed for my patients, yes. But I never looked at it as of them being of injustice. I always thought that I am being allowed to, to, to really prove who I am in God by helping. I was God's hands and feet in those days working on the wards with people. God really used me to minister. You know, like when you see people, I, I've never actually looked at the negativity of, of HIV. I always look at the positive things. When you see a patient who is filthy, who, you know what I mean, the hair unkept, not, and you tidy them up, you comb their hair and you have them looking fresh, you look at them, you know that this is God's hands working for those people. Those people, they, when they see you coming in, they're sick and, and pain, they smile. I I never look at the negativity. I always look at the positive side of it. What do you think more Christians should know about people who 
are sick? Or, you know, what would you say that they miss about understanding the nature of God because they don't spend more time with people who are sick? When you see those faces, when you see the reactions of these people that you don't even know, if others were to, to really get into this, they would they would see God working through these people. I really try to encourage a lot of my, my brethren from the churches to get involved. When it comes to the point where you say, look, let's go into the hospital, nobody wants to go because I think mostly it's fear. I would always tell them, listen, you can't contract HIV by just going to the scene and talking and praying with them. It's okay to go, but I think fear has a lot to do with it. I'm sure that we've jumped that that hurdle now. I think that was what was happening then. You you pray with somebody, they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So even when they die, you know that they, they will be with Jesus. It helps. And I wish that more Christians would get involved and in them to see that kind of miracle happen. You talked about praying with patients. What is that experience like for you? It's a wonderful experience because I give unconditional love. I give love to whether you're Christian, Hindu, Muslim, whoever you were. The criteria for me taking care of you was being sick. It helped a whole great lot because if you could talk to somebody, they are willing to accept Jesus because they realize that the only way you could do this is because of, of this Jesus that you're talking about. I want to have part of I want to be part of this situation. It's a wonderful thing when somebody could say, I want to, to serve Jesus. Sometimes that's the last thing they would ever do on the face of this earth. I want to serve Jesus. When those miracles happen, it brings so much joy into your life to know that at least this is one person that got seized. You have worked with people who have suffered from AIDS and HIV for a number of years. And I'm curious, how has public opinion changed towards this community during that time? A great lot. Because as I said earlier, it, it, they were discriminated against. But today, people have more accepted them in their homes. With medication, so that is going on, you know, their, their lives have been different. We are looking healthier. We got them into support groups where, you know, maybe we train them in all kinds of different areas. You find that people are doing so much better now. Some of the families don't even know that they're infected because they don't look the way they used to look long ago. So there's a big shift in acceptance for, for persons who are infected. And because of that, they are living better lives. Can you share a story about a particular patient where you saw God really work through that person? I'm going to speak of a young lady. I met Maggie at the clinics, working at the clinic. She was around 28 years old. She was tested positive. And at that point, she was actually put on medication because her CD4 count was very low. Within three days of her being on medication, Maggie called me one morning, very frantic. She says to me, Miss B, I am not feeling well. I said, what's happening? She says, my skin is burning. I said, you know what? It can be a reaction to the medication. She says, yeah, but it's burning me really, really bad. I said, here what? Let's come down to the clinic and let's have a look at you. To my surprise, when she came that morning, she had a massive burn on her body. Her skin was as black as cold. And the skin was starting to peel off. So she was looking like black and pink. Her skin was so badly burnt. It was a reaction from the medication. So, of course, she, she's scared. So I'm there trying to, to make sure that she's okay. I made an appointment for her to see the optician. The doctor 
took a, a, a light and was looking into her eyes. And all I saw in her eyes was smoke. So we had our medication change. And today, Maggie is as good as ever. She looks a hundred percent better than when I first met her. She is going to church. She has led. She came from a, a Muslim background. And today she is a Christian and her children are Christians. The family has actually accepted her into their homes again. What have you learned from your ministry that you think the church should hear now? I believe that you don't have to be a medical person to share God's love with a sick person. Because most persons in the AIDS area, those persons, they're really looking for love. A lot of them got infected because they were out there looking for love. I believe that it has to be the love in your heart to have you working in an area like HIV. Especially, I have come a long way, and I know that it's only God who has kept me thus far. On my own, no, I could not have done it. But I'm really, really happy that I spend most of my time working in that field. This was a really great interview. Thank you, Philomena. You're so welcome. Here's the latest coronavirus news in the world and church for the week of June 7th. Italian churches reopened for the first time in months several weeks ago. Christians rejoiced about the opportunity to meet together after a period in which they lost nearly 35,000 people. As soon as the service began, the emotion was really great. We could not hold back tears. We could finally praise and bless the Lord together. Anya Pellerito, who attends a Pentecostal church in Milan, told Evangelical Focus, in addition to our words, our eyes have become a tool to express all the affection and love that binds us to each other. Chinese churches have also begun reopening. When arriving at the church, the government requires would-be attendees to show a code with their health status on their phone, to practice social distancing, and to wear a mask. In addition, worshipers cannot linger after church services or take pictures. Last month, Christianity Today reported on David Law, a pastor in Myanmar who was arrested after claiming Christians would not contract COVID-19 before he was infected himself. The issue has split Burmese believers. Some have said that he is facing the consequences of illegally holding religious services. Others say that Law's arrest is a crackdown on religious freedom in the country. To read the rest of the story and for more coverage on how the church is responding to coronavirus, please visit the link in our show notes. Because of the global nature of this crisis, we believe it's important to hear from our sisters and brothers in Christ from around the world. Hello, greetings from Madrid, Spain. My name is Miguel Castillo and I serve as coaching coordinator for M4 Europe. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your healing hand upon the land of Spain. Once ground zero in Europe, we are on day two without any deaths related to COVID-19. And we want to thank you for that. Lord, I pray for our nation's leaders in every level of society, especially church leaders, Lord, that you would mobilize them and you would continue to empower them to be agents of hope and not objects of fear. Mobilize your church. Mobilize every single entity that would bring hope and help to this land. Lord, we pray for families with all the burdens and the stresses that are going on in marriages of this country. We also pray for the economy, Lord, that you would bring an infusion of your courage and of your hope to the economy of this country. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Prayer Amid Pandemic is produced by myself, Morgan Lee, along with Matt Linder, Mike Cosper, and Eric Petrick. Music is by Urban Nerd Beats, Prod Ritterman, and Oliver Duvel. Prayer Amid Pandemic is available wherever you get your podcasts. Please help us spread the word about the show by sharing about it on social media or recommending it to your friends. The best way for you to help is by rating and reviewing it on Apple Podcasts. As a reminder, if you'd like to support this show and our ministry, you can do so by subscribing to Christianity Today at orderct.com slash podcasts. If you have feedback, please send us an email at podcast at christianitytoday.com or on Twitter at ctpodcast. We'll see you soon.